right, everyone, welcome back to the How Did I Get Here podcast. Uh, we have Matt back with us today. Uh, so what's up, Matt? Nothing. I'm enjoying, uh, hopefully you hear us a little better. These mics are, uh, we hit the upgrade button on these mics. We're, we're real official right now. <laughs> yeah, we stepped it up a little bit. Um, so it is literally uh, like 31 degrees, nah, probably 34 degrees. Raining, wet. There's nothing to do. It's February. Um, football's over. I've been watching a little XFL. Have you been watching it? I have caught. Uh, I watched about a quarter and a half. I actually want to watch a little more. It's it's been intriguing, but uh, it's it's weird because my mind is so off football. I forget, and then when I see it, I'm like, "Ooh, is this real?" And then uh, I'll catch it a quarter, quarter and a half. It's. I like the rule changes for sure. It seems like they're. Uh, they got maybe something to cook with there on the offseason. Yeah. I've actually watched almost all of them just because I like football and there's nothing else to watch. But, yeah, we're in the dead season of sports. I did catch a little spring training baseball the other day. But, I mean, let's be honest. We're just sitting around waiting for the Masters. I mean, that's that's what we're waiting on. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, I've been trying to – this year's uh, college basketball has been pretty nondescript. There's not a lot of stars or teams really popping out, so it's been a lot of – Catch the first fifteen minutes and then f- wake up from a nap an hour later and realize that you fell asleep. So yeah, um, definitely ready for the Masters, ready for NFL draft, ready for baseball to get kicked off, ready to have uh, stop watching The Biggest Loser with my wife every night uh, and, and watch some sports. <laughs> stop what? If you are going to be a repeat listener to the show, uh, one Matt's going to be on multiple times. Two. Uh, you're gonna hear golf references a lot because we're we're, we're golf fans. But um, so what else? How has your week been? What's what's going on? Good. Just been real busy work wise. Uh, heading out to uh, uh, out out of town tomorrow for the rest of the week for a conference, and uh, I get to travel. For most most of you guys don't know, I'm uh, I have a business with my father, uh, who is in his mid sixties now and early to mid sixties, and so uh, traveling with him is is always uh, uh, comical, and uh, so I take it in stride. He's a he's an awesome guy, but he's a man of many quirks. And so uh, taking him to Las Vegas is always like a, a fun trip just to just just to witness. All right, so <laughs> we have to tell this real quick. Um, so a couple years ago, actually, when Alex was an intern, Alex is on another episode, so go check that episode out if you haven't had a chance. It's called Not One, Not Two, Not Three, so go check that out. But Alex was an intern here, and we were having a service um, down at the ATI, and um, we we go to setup, and it's me and him and another one of our pastors on staff, Dave, and the guy who is helping us set things up. He looks at me and he says, "So, where in Africa are you from?" <laughs> and Alex just lost it; he can't keep it together. Dave starts to turn red. Um, and I look at him and I said, well, sir, I, I live here in Worcester. I'm, I'm not from Africa. And this guy turns like beat red. He's so embarrassed. He's like, I'm so sorry. For some reason, I thought you were an African student from the College of Worcester. And I was like, nah, just regular black guy that lives in Worcester, <laughs> that lives in Worcester Ohio. Um, I love, I love the, the little bits and pieces of accidental racism that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, because I live in this town, um, so yeah. What what about that one you you told me about? <laughs> you know, and this is I, you know I love my dad, and he's one hundred percent. To know my dad, he grew up in Detroit. Um, he doesn't have a uh, uh, a racist bone in his body, but we I mean joke I jokingly call it like like cultural racism or like age ageism racism, which makes me laugh because just the little things like uh, you know with my dad when we'll be we maybe we'll walking through an airport we'll see like a a black guy that's like 6 7 my dad I'm like ooh i wonder where he played, he played basketball like you just immediately assume that he was a college <laughs> basketball player um, we'll, but we'll see like a 6 5 white guy and be like oh well, wonder what engineering firm he works at like he just <laughs> and so what always makes me laugh is when we travel of course nowadays we uber lift whatever we do the the ride share and uh, and so what makes me laugh immediately is he sits in the front seat which I don't know why, but he always sits in the front seat and super awkward. That immediately shocks the Uber driver. Uh, they're <laughs> immediately uncomfortable and don't want them in, him in there. Um, and whether we have like a five minute or a twenty minute ride, the first thing that comes out of my house is how long have you been in the out of his mouth is 
how long have you been in the country? Because generally speaking, when we grab an Uber driver from a bigger city, their name may be Miguel or Mohammed or whatever. And and so what's great is there's about a 50-50 chance every time that the guy goes, oh, I was, I was, I was born in San Diego. Uh, just, we're Muslim. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, your name's Mohammed. I thought you may have come from somewhere. Oh, no. No, I graduated from uh, Riverside High School an hour away. Like, And so... Uh, we always have these awkward conversations, but if they end up being actually from another country, maybe from Russia or, or anywhere, and my dad finds that out, the rest of the ride is him basically uh, what I consider him turning into the UN for this person. <laughs> and so his whole the whole time he, he congratulates him for having a job and you work hard and your car is very clean and we really appreciate your hard work and... You know, do you have any questions? Like, he's like just the ambassador for the United States and the rest of the Uber driving. So uh, a couple of times I'm like, you know, you don't have to do that. They're, they live here. Like, they're they're not. And he just takes it upon himself to be the welcoming um, uh, the welcome wagon for all these Uber drivers and Lyft drivers that are from other countries. So I always joke with him. I was like, hey, you know, that's kind of racist that you just think that they're. And he's, no. It's, so it's from a good place. But it makes me laugh all, every time we get in the car because I know the next 20-minute conversation is going to be about their family and did they leave them all behind or did they come and half the time is like yeah we we actually live uh, my house is just around the corner i've been here since i was six you know it's, it's funny you told me that one you guys were like in florida somewhere and the guy had um a caribbean accent and he's like hey where are you from and he said oh yeah i'm, I'm from here but my family's from the caribbean he's like oh hey we have a black pastor who's from the caribbean and you said he like phrased it in a way like he was supposed to know who i yeah, was like, you know the one that's in ohio <laughs> your group like he didn't they have the newsletter about the you know it's just so funny that and it is that it's from a it's from a sweet place it's from my dad just loves to connect but it always makes me laugh when we when we have these conversations because he is a friend of everyone i mean he's not uh, anyone that would you know discriminate but it is funny how he unintentionally will just if you don't know him he just comes at you hard with like are you from this country well welcome to this country do you do you like pizza like you know he just makes sure that you know yeah. what we're all about and it's 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 a funny thing to watch i mean i think in fairness to him too like you know i think Im like immigration is a part of his family heritage right mm -hmm. so i think part of it's like it's just he's excited but yeah. it, it is funny how how uh how that comes out sometimes but yeah that's uh it's a generational thing i think like a lot of times for him being in his 60s like he loves different cultures and where you know i was lucky enough to go to a school and meet cedric and meet a lot of people from different cultures and where it's more of a normal thing for me he just gets so excited if he finds out somebody's from another country i mean he just wants to know everything about it you know it's just like yeah, we got peanut butter in, in Spain. Like, you know what I mean? He, he just thinks the world is just a so different place. And so it's, it's always funny to see him interact with Uber drivers or, or just other service people that we're around that are from different countries. He just, he loves that game. That's funny. So, so yeah, we're going to get into our, our time today. Um, I'm not 100% sure how this episode came about, but um, when, we, when I started thinking about some of like the behind the scenes things that people just don't know about ministry or pastors specifically, this thing came to mind. So uh, I'm actually just going to have Matt yeah. kind of like tee it up and then we're going to get into it. So uh, we're going to title this podcast September 1st, 2019. Yep. Um, and the reason uh, it's a little melodramatic is uh, that was actually the Sunday uh, in question that we're going to break down a little bit. This is going to be, you know, part locker room post-game interview from me to Cedric, Pastor Cedric. Um, it's going to be me asking questions of my friend, and it's going to be a little background of stuff. And so to give you a full background, you know, I've just been – it's been really awesome to uh, sit in the pews uh, and listen to Cedric and chairs. Listen to Cedric over the last four or five years, really start to hone his teaching, his speaking craft, and I got to do that for my other friend. Josh, as he was a pastor of our church for a while, and it's it's really awesome to see uh, when you get consistent reps as a speaker, when you know it's every Sunday, and you can see in a large time frame, 18 months, two years, the differences in speaking, and uh, um, it, it's really awesome to do it. And part of my job um, is to speak at conferences, and so 
I definitely empathize with Pastor Cedric and Buddy. We'll talk about stuff. You know, sometimes I'll text him afterwards with questions, whether it's about his actual content or whether it'd be like, why did you know what was the point of you know you did say three you had three points and you only really gave me two points. You know, well we have this really open relationship where we can talk, and so over the last three or four years, Cedric has really become a fantastic speaker and a really specific speaker he's really done a great job of of uh, of doing that i know when we start we kind of we always want to emulate our heroes or the people we've heard before and so uh i can i can joke that our our roommate uh josh pastor josh he's a pastor down in georgia yeah shout out to josh (laughs) when we were in college and he was he was preaching at a country church uh he went he is a uh wayne county caucasian male he looks like he would have been in the movie Hoosiers, um, and he came rolling out in college in a four-button, uh, you know, Creflo Dollar Bro, six-piece it. suit with the gators on. Dude, had gators on, man. And uh, so one we, size too big, too. So we we used to laugh at that, and his his preaching style was like that too. It was you know bringing the thunder from the skies, and and now you see him two master's degrees, a, a doctorate or whatever he's got, PhD later and he's written books and he's honed his craft and he's speaking is so just enjoyable but also just undeniably josh it's been awesome to see center do that same thing over the last few years and and so what i've always you know talked to him about when we ever when he ever had questions or we just talk about things you know i always you know the one thing that's unique about him is him being african-american but really being bahamian is a specific is a specific thing um and how he speaks and his his background, and even though his dad was a pastor, but just how fast you guys speak, how passionate you are. And so I can see him growing into being more comfortable with letting that show. And so now when he teaches every Sunday in our married couples class and college class, uh, it's always a packed house. We're used to Cedric bringing, you know, himself to the forefront talking about his family yeah talking about his family but also like unafraid to be emotional unafraid to you know a couple weeks ago i don't even know if you mentioned this on the podcast i mean he got he got in us like he was forget stepping on our toes he was in my shoes and underneath my shirt he got on us so hard as he was talking about his frustration with maybe some people not following along with the guidebook and still coming up to him and being uh you know having questions about marriage and things that stuff that we're going over and they're not putting the time in during the week to study it, that he's giving them. And he's just in an honest way, really emotionally called us to just basically step up our game. And, and so we've always loved, I've always found that a value. And if you talk to other people at our church, Cedric's realness, but also his rawness has always been uh, basically his calling card that he's built over the last few years. So all that to be said, and I know that was long winded, on September 1st of last year, Cedric got, you know, got called up to the big leagues. You know, they said, uh, you know, Pastor Zach, I think, may have been on vacation. So um, he got he got pulled out of the, the pen for a couple weeks. So Yeah, I had that back-to-back. Yeah, so he had a couple weeks to really, uh, you know, in front of the main sanctuary doing the double duty. And so what was really funny is, you know, I'm thinking, all right, you know, I know my buddy. He's He's got two weeks. He's about to, you know, here comes the fastball. He's going to bring, you know, the good stuff. And. What was funny was uh, he went, and I'm sitting in the stands, and I still remember it, and I'm like, okay, when's he going to get going? Like, when's he going to, when's he going to, where, where's the emotion at? When's he going to move? He was standing, you know, solid foot, uh, you know, on his heels, basically, behind the podium, and the whole time, very low emotion, very, you know, teaching, and, and still providing value, but the emotion was gone, the personality was gone. It was very much like he got hit with a tranquilizer, like one of the deacons <laughs> shot him with a tranquilizer before he got on stage. Like, don't, you can't bring that to Wayne County. Come the main, on, you can't buddy. bring it to the main stage. Come on, buddy, yeah. you gotta calm down. <laughs> so, I'm sitting there and the, and I'm thinking, well, maybe it'll turn. And I know, I know, my buddy's maybe looking for an effect, like maybe mid midstream or late. He's gonna really turn the volume up and show the dynamics. And it didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen at all. And so, you know, he closes in prayer, and I'm thinking, man, did he get in trouble? Or, you know, did, they, did Pastor Zach tell him last night he was speaking, and he just didn't wasn't confident in the material? So we had a, uh, 
it was really funny because, and we'll go into the questions here, but the he finishes, he wraps up, you know, and, and to me, what I do when I question, you know, hour after church, you know, I hit him up on a text and say, hey, man, we good? Like, what's going on? What, that was, looked like you were, uh, you mailed that one in. What's going on? And he was like, uh, you notice? And I was like, notice? It was un- impossible not to notice. And he was like, wow. You know, and I will go over his reasoning behind it. But he basically told me it was purposeful. And I went to my small group that evening at Sunday night. And as we were kind of settling in, and our small group were just adult couples and singles. And uh, we go to somebody's house and go over the sermon and stuff. But that night, we're like kind of getting settled in. And everybody's getting their coffee. And then the, the first thing everybody said was, hey, what, was wrong with, what was wrong with Pastor Cedric? Like, what? Did you? Is there something going on with him? Like, did he... Was he sick? And it, I'm, I'm just laughing because we had already had our conversation. <laughs> yeah, I already texted him. And uh, so basically when we went from, you know, if we can get, if what we'll do is, I'll say is uh, we'll use a sports analogy if we can. Um, you know, basically Cedric, what I would say is I'm used to getting Tom Brady and Cedric came out and was like, no, I'm going to be Lamar Jackson. I'm going to run the ball every play. I'm like, give, wait a minute. I'm going to give you that Jimmy G, you know, you yeah. throw the ball eight times. Yeah, we're going to run the ball every play, and uh, we're not going to rely on my arm, and and we're going to – and it's noticeable after a whole time. So what was the reason why you did the, the real switch up? All right, so I think the thing that people don't know about pastors and crafting sermons and – I mean, so outside of understanding – what our responsibility is like we know our responsibility is to share the truth of scripture preach it as it is we know that but just like everybody else we're human beings and we want a level of creativity so i remember sitting in my office and i think i'm thinking like you know what i want to do something different i i preach the same way i had this like internal pressure that okay well maybe maybe i'm becoming like a one-trick pony maybe i'm becoming like the same guy maybe people are like Okay, yeah, I know exactly what it's going to be. And there may be this, you know, this level of glossing over whatever. And then the other side of me was like, okay, you know, but I also want to do something creative. I want to prove to myself that if, you know, for some reason I got a a letter from the Cleveland Catholic Diocese that they, hey, you know, could you deliver a 15-minute, 20-minute scripted speech to our board of trustees that I could do it. You know, I was thinking like, you know what, if I got invited to somewhere where I could just stand behind a pulpit and not be throwing heat the whole time, but not, not sacrifice the truth of scripture. Like I want to be able to do that. And honestly, like some of my motivation was, you know, pastor Dan, who was our lead pastor here for over 40 years. You know, he was a scripted guy. When I say scripted, I mean like word for word behind the pulpit, you, you know, like it's, it's all laid out in front of him. He knows exactly what he's going to say. Very prepared. Yeah. And not to say that I'm never, I'm not prepared. I'm always prepared, but I'm just a little bit more freestyle in nature, even though I know what I'm going to say, even though I, I've already memorized the content. So, and Pastor Zach, our current lead pastor, he's, he does a similar thing. And it's interesting because even in the last few weeks, you've noticed like he is kind of like, like just kind of like breaking out of that, that script mold, if you will. But anyway, that was really my motivation. It was, it was two things. One, I wanted to prove my, to myself that I could do it. And two, I just wanted to be creative and do something different. So I, I knew what I wanted to preach on. I had prayed through it. I read the scripture. I do what I always did. I, I do what I always do. I, I did the study. I made my first, uh, my first draft of notes. I made my little scribblings. That's what I call them. I, I worked through the teaching points. I worked through the things that I want, the points that I wanted to get across. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to write this out word for word, what I'm going to say and just deliver this in this in this very scripted specific word for word way. So that was that was the that's the foundation of why I did what I did that day. Well, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you too is even going back to our church as a whole. You know, when you're speaking in our main services, we have two services and they are very and I don't want to play that up too much, but they're different in the the demographic generally, the music for sure, uh, and just the tempo of those services. And so when you are speaking to one sermon, two groups, like how do you do you just say, hey, man, I'm me. I'm just going to I'm going right down the middle every time. Or do you look at it and go, OK, well, I know <clears throat> I don't want to say play to the crowd, but understand your crowd and say, you know, I'm going to 
you know, the joke that I'll put here maybe for this crowd and the joke that I may pull out and insert here could be for the other crowd. Do you ever think about that ahead of time? Yeah, definitely. So I, it's funny because I don't think about the, what I call the secondary content. I, I actually never think about that. I always think, okay, you know what? I'm going to be me. This is who, this is how I've been made. This is the gift that God has given me. The The thing is I'm never going to sacrifice what the scripture is saying. So we know that off the top. And then I take into account who's in there. And the only thing that I adjust, given who the crowd is, is one, my my inflection. Two is certain words that I use. Obviously, if I, if the room is filled with my peers and people that know me, you know, I may use slang words or words that I use in my everyday speech that people would understand. But depending on who the crowd is, I may clean some of that up. I would I wouldn't speak that way. Um, but I don't I don't I don't write jokes. I, people ask me that all the time. They're like, man, how did you think of that? I was like, I'm not lying to you. I literally thought of that in that moment. There maybe there there's a handful of times where I'm writing a sermon and I think of, wow, this illustration would make the point. And it's funny to me. And most times when I say them, nobody laughs because they're funny to me. And then I say something else. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess people thought that was funny. So I don't think about the jokes or like those things. I do think about what types of illustrations I'm going to use to get the point of the scripture across. But I never, I, don't, I actually don't, I don't change a ton of it. I think the biggest variation is from adults to children, mm-hmm. not necessarily from young adults to older adults or married people to single people unless it's a marriage conference but that's the biggest gap where i I make very specific changes is from from children to adults but if adults are in the room i'm pretty much me yeah you know and kind of just um going back to that actual sermon that we're we're talking about here um you know a lot of times you'll have these text conversations we'll talk about you know, whether it's maybe an intern speaks and I'll just like, hey, man, here's my here's my three or four notes on that. Maybe you, you know, maybe you weren't there. Or you were doing something else. These are a couple of things that maybe as the intern learns to speak a little bit better, what they could, you know, uh, attach to. And But for yours, when we talked about this one, it was so interesting to me because it was like, hey, man, are you good? And he's like, I'm really good. Was that bad? Like you were honestly like, was that a good thing that I just did? And I, you know, honestly was like, I C C plus maybe like <laughs> content was good but like it didn't really come across like it was it was I spent most of my time wondering what was wrong with you uh, instead of paying attention to the sermon yeah but that's really good I mean it's like you know to use another you know sports example that would be like LeBron James like all of a sudden just not shooting one game just I'm gonna pass it I'm gonna just gonna pass and rebound you're gonna be like you're gonna notice that somebody that has you know, years and years of scoring and scoring titles and all these records, he hasn't shot this whole quarter. What's wrong with that? Like, you're going to notice when somebody like that, and so when Cedric, who has such a well-defined um, kind of personality and pulpit persona, uh, which is him, it's not an act, when you deviate from it in such a stark manner where he literally was like, it felt like growing up when I grew up in a fundamental Baptist church in Akron, Ohio, where it was just like, hey, you know what? It's going to be 30 minutes. We're going to have three main points, two two scriptures, da-da-da-da. Anybody need save? Nope. All right, let's go get chicken. And <laughs> it was very much matter of fact. And I thought, boy, this isn't this this isn't like him. But also, I didn't catch a lot out of it. So um, you had something to say? So the thing is, I was so unbelievably proud of that sermon. You have no idea. Like, I, I was so proud of myself to be able to do what I set out to do. And I walked off the stage and I was elated. I was really happy. And then I had, I don't even remember who it was. I had someone kind of come up to me and they did the church, like put my hand, put their hand on my shoulder. Like, Hey, it'll be okay. And I was like, well, yeah, I know it'll be okay. I mean, and I I was thinking real fast, like, okay, I preached on, on Colossians. I I preached on the family and how to submit and love. And I, I was like, so I don't, know what the context of this comment was and then this is when i knew i i do what i always do and i i I walked to my wife and i was like hey how was it and she was like well and i was like well what and she was like i don't it wasn't good and i was like wait what it wasn't good and this is like my wife we talked about it so many times afterwards, Jessica hated that sermon. <laughs> she was like, she's like, please, I'm trying, I'm trying to be loving, blah, 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 but I really didn't like that. And I was like, wait, what? 
and that's when it kind of it started to catch on. So I texted Matt. I texted a couple other people, and they were like, "Yeah, everyone was wondering if it was okay." I I, I remember um, when I texted you. The first thing you said to me was like three minutes in. Maria, which is Matt's wife, leaned over and was like, "Is he okay?" <laughs> so it's just funny. Like, and I was I was so proud of it. Like, people don't know this. So here's the thing. I I I wrote that sermon out. And I don't even think my wife knows this. I went into the garage, into my car, every single night and practiced that sermon. Every night. She's like, what are you doing out there? I was like, well, I'm just working on the sermon. I want to sit in the in a dark place and just kind of like like physically like dark, like with no lights, not like <laughs> not a dark place on my heart. And I was like, and I just want to work on this. And she's like, oh, okay. And I literally recorded myself on my phone working on it because again, that's just I, that's not how I speak typically. I I have my notes and I know what I'm I know for the most part, what I'm going to say, know what direction I want to go in. So I put all this time and energy and effort into this. And I mean, I watched other guys stand behind the pulpit. I watched and see how they were able to like, you know, project their voice left and right and center without moving from behind the pulpit or the podium. Like I literally put time into this. I researched it. I wrote it all out. I still have it. And it's funny. I have not listened to that sermon s- since preaching it until two days ago. So I knew we were getting ready to do this recording. I said, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to listen to it. And so I, I listened to it and I still love it. I still, I still love it. But like, I really like it. I understand that it's not quote me. I understand that it's distinctively different than how I preach week in and week out. No denying that. But from this side of the table, I was just so proud of it. And I and I still am. And I went back and I was like, man, that sermon was fire. I don't know what people are talking about. And again, it's hard for me to pull away from the content. And I know that that's not what people are doing. I know that they they know the content was good. I know that they know that I was preaching, preaching scripture. But like Matt said, um, it just wasn't me. And here's the thing. I remember, so part of our text conversation, and I don't even know if he knows this, but as him and I started to talk about it, I actually started to get nervous. I was like, well, man, this is really bad. I'm preaching again next week. I'd planned to do the same thing next week again. Um, and he was like, yeah, that's, that, that was bad, dude. Like, not not bad again from content, but just like, you you can't be you. And I said, well, I want to be different. I remember texting this to, to you, and I was like, I want to be different. I want, he's like, and you said, why? Why do you want to be different? You have a distinct style. Everybody has a style. Every preacher has a style. Every speaker has a style. And I was like, I know that. I, I'm aware of that, but I just wanted to do something different. So I had to quickly scrap my notes for the next week. Um, because I was like, well, I guess, uh, I love this, but everybody else hated it. Yeah. And then, you know, the next week, uh, he did return to form, we'll call it. And, uh, what was funny was at small group that, that Sunday evening, the first thing was like, man, Cedric bought that fire again. This was, he's back. He must've been sick. And I just was laughing cause I, was, I wasn't going to tell everybody, but you know, it, it is interesting when we talk about, you know, different sides of things you know me and said are buddies been buddies for a while but when it comes to this dynamic we're speaking of we have we have speaker and consumer um and so from the consumer aspect that's why i'm always trying to give him the perspective and and let him hear that because you know when when you are a when i am just basically a lay person in the church there to help serve voluntarily but you know our job is to be fed and to to grow and and you know his job as a as a overseer shepherd is to help us do that you know that's one of the things that is so funny to me because he is looking at it we're both looking at it correctly we just have different views of the subject that he did and so when i look at it as a consumer i'm like man i didn't really get a lot out of that you know not that that needs to be the number one thing on his mind, especially I think a lot of times we as uh, people in the church need to have more grace, have more understanding, have more ability to flexibility to be like, you know what, that wasn't, you know, my, you know, my, maybe he talked a lot about the family and I'm an empty nester. We talked a lot about kids and, and I don't have any yet and I'm single. You know, sometimes people will be like, this wasn't, this, this one's not for me. Yeah, I'll see you next week. And, get on Facebook or, you know, whatever, you know, order dinner before or order lunch before you leave. 
And, um, you know, want to make sure that even though we're talking about this subject and laughing about it, you know, when we talk about content, receiving content and also preparing content from the pulpit, that we, in my opinion, if I can ever give advice, is give as much charity to not only the speaker but to the crowd. Like, know that, you know, what Pastor Cedric did, even though almost made my ears bleed of boredom, um, <laughs> was not for lack of trying, not for lack of preparation. It was just, it was trying something new and, and knowing that, you know, hey, we can laugh about it. It wasn't a good sermon. It, you know, he's going to speak a hundred times a year probably. Um, you're going to have one or two off ones. Uh, but just knowing that, you know, when when your pastor is speaking, they are doing something different. A lot of times it's maybe even for them to shake the cobwebs out of their stuff, to maybe press themselves in an area where they feel they're weak and still encourage that attitude of, hey, let me try something new without being like, I like it when you give me three points, you yell on your third point, I feel bad, we pray, and then and I go, go eat home. chicken. Yeah. Like, let's not, you know, let's not be so formulaic. I think the other thing, too, that I'm, I know nobody knows this um, because I just, it's just not something I talk about, but... I feel like, like I'm surrounded by people who I consider very creative people. You know, there's people around us who can play music and they can write and they can sing and, you know, they can, they can do all these things. I remember I always felt this pressure of like not having any creativity, you know, it's just like, okay, well, I study the scriptures hard and I teach and I teach with passion and that's it. It's really not that creative. And I remember about five years ago, I went to this conference and I, I intentionally went to a conference for creatives knowing that I viewed myself as someone who wasn't creative. And <clears throat> not only was it a conference for creatives, but it was a Christian conference. And I remember one of the pastors at the conference, and I'll never forget this, he said that, you know, creativity is really forgot. Like we think that creativity or we treat creativity as if it's for the consumer, which obviously the consumer is going to be blessed by it, but really it's, it's for God. And after hearing that message, I started to think of myself and look at myself differently. Like, you know what? I am a creative. I can be creative just because I am not creative in the, in the quintessential creative ways doesn't mean that I'm not a creative person. So I really started to take sermon writing and sermon teaching and lesson teaching and looking at it from a creative point of view. How can I be creative with my words? How can I craft my words in a way so that the hearer really latches on to what the scripture saying? What are the things that I can do in my inflection or in my stage presence or the way I move? And again, it isn't, it is in no way, shape or form. Look at me. The point of it is I want to give glory to God as I teach, as I teach the word of God, so, you know, Matt mentioned about, you know, watching me grow as a speaker over the last four or five years and over the last four or five years, not only as a growing as a speaker, but growing in my thought process as someone who is a creative person, because I've always struggled with that. So when I try to do something that I feel like is creative and switch it up a little bit and it wasn't received well, it's just it, it is funny. I mean, like, I, I can honestly say my feelings weren't hurt. I wasn't mad about it. I, but but it did throw me for a loop. I was shocked by the amount of people that was just like, is everything okay? Did something happen? <laughs> is he in trouble? Was he not feeling well? Did he even know he was supposed to preach today? Um, and look, if you're listening to this and you want to listen to that sermon, you can actually go to Apple Podcasts and type in Westlake Baptist Church, or you can actually just type in my name. Cedric Beckles, and it'll come up. You, you can actually find it on Apple Podcast. Um, so I'd love to know what you think about it. Go and listen to it. I think it aired right right on that September first. Um, it's out of uh, it's out of the Book of Colossians, and it was it was on the family and and what it means to love and submit. Um, so it'd be it'd be interesting to kind of hear what some of the feedback sure. is now that you know people would have heard the the inside scoop of this. Um, so one of the other things too, is like, I'm not the only speaker in a room, Matt, obviously you, it's not preaching, but you speak at conferences. I mean, you leave tomorrow to go speak at a conference. So you speak at conferences and you know, you talked about, okay, you know what? Yeah. I may preach five, uh, 500, a hundred times a year. Um, and you pre, uh, you speak at a number of different conferences around the country 
and you've had that you've had a similar experience what are some of the experiences that you've had yeah from from you know a uh a speaking time that you would say yeah that was that was terrible yeah you know it's funny from our from my perspective what i do and and get to speak and and be uh you know able to do so and it's really an honor every time what i've learned over the years is you know from my personality i'm a really big planner i'm a really big you know you know i get kind of jealous that said gets to like write a bunch of notes down he knows his defined time period he can take a couple extra minutes if he wants to uh that's not always the case for me a lot of times when i'm at a conference they're like hey you're going to be speaking from like one ish to 145 ish to whatever and it's always the guy before me goes long and, and, or you get crunched for time or, you know, you have this whole PowerPoint or, or you know, uh, presentation put together and the projector, they suddenly forgot to bring it. And so you're kind of, you know, over your skis a little bit. So it's always different. I've learned to kind of roll with the punches a lot of times when I speak, um, depending on the room. You know, sometimes I speak to five people and sometimes I speak to 250 or 300 people. So it's definitely different types of speaking engagements but the one that makes me laugh and you know i want to do this taste say this tastefully because i don't want to be taken out of context but um it was funny in that it was so ridiculously a bad beat for me uh i just had to laugh about it and it was actually last year i was at a conference and uh it was about 250 uh people in the crowd and i was requested to come and speak by this other company and and so I had about a 45 minute window. It was great. I had my stuff all loaded. And I spoke right after I was supposed to speak. There was a speaker right after lunch. And then I was kind of coming up and, um, this company, uh, their founder of their company, uh, made a surprise appearance, uh, right before I was supposed to come get on. And to know that, to know this company and their founder, their founder actually, and this isn't funny at all, but he suffers from a terminal illness and he's not probably long for this world. Um, and so he's not seen very often. Um, it was a complete surprise that he showed up. And so he, they, you know, he was in the front of the room and he spoke. He kind of got up and said he was going to talk for two minutes. He spoke for 40 minutes. Uh, he had probably 10 applause breaks and standing ovations. People were crying. It was like a, it was like a state of the union speech. And the crowd was up and down, and, and after he was done, they were like, let's take a five-minute break. It ended up being a 20-minute break because everyone wanted a picture. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, and i got to follow this. Of all people and all things to follow, it's got to be this guy. So, uh, you know, this guy gives us some passion speech about why he built this company and that he's going to live as long as he can. And just this ins- inspirational speech. And then this... Um, my dumb face is the next one on stage going, hey, you guys want to talk about mortgages for 40 minutes? Uh, obviously, the room was not on my side or even paying attention to me. And so uh, it was one of those things that I admitted I had to make a choice. And it was, uh, you know, I could either just ignore it and try to just plow through, put my head down, speak for 40 minutes and go to my hotel room and chalk it up as an L. Or I could just try to make a make a laugh or make a make a funny joke about it and get people back engaged and. So I told a joke, it landed, thankfully, uh, and we got people back on, you know, focused and it was good. But, you know, that's what's what's so crazy and what's so exciting sometimes, but it, it is, it's so unique about speaking to just different groups is you don't know. You don't know the room you're going into. You don't know if it's, man, I've had some of the best meetings in the world with five people and I've had some of the worst walking off a stage or a podium in front of 200 people being like, these guys, all I heard was forks hitting plates when they were eating, and they weren't paying attention to me at all. And, and so, you know, when we talk and we, we, we have these opportunities, we you know it's a blessing to, to have those opportunities, and you don't know what's going to come from it, but there are times when uh, you, even when you feel like you have your fastball, and uh, yeah, nobody's paying attention, and it's it's like you're in a room alone. I think that's one of the the differences too. When you, as a pastor, you you're not just a you're not a public speaker, you know, you're not an evangelist. Evangelist speaking is completely different than than you know pastors that are shepherds, and that's one of the unique things is I get to shepherd the people that I preach to every week. So in crafting those 
those sermons and those lessons, you know, you're thinking about the people that you're shepherding. You're not, you're not preaching to people. You're not, you're not taking a conversation that someone had with you in private and say, oh, okay, that's, that's a great sermon lesson. I'm just going to preach on that. That's not, that's not what you're doing. But if you're preaching the word of God, like it's also hard not to address the things that are, that are going on in people's lives. <clears throat> but I do that's have a question the, for you. That's the beauty of, of being a shepherd versus just a, a traveling or a public speaker. I do have a question. If you would have had that, said that sermon, uh, uh, performed that sermon earlier in your career, would you have been able to take the criticism or the confusion in the same shred that you were able to this time? Probably not, um, because I think it would have been so attached to a performance as opposed to my internal ability to know that I did, I actually did a good job because I preached the word of God. So I think if I was younger, if I was an intern, um, I, I don't know if I would, I don't know how I would have recovered from that because I wouldn't have been able to get out of my head that the people didn't like me, the people didn't like me, the people didn't like me. And this is very uncomfortable for me to say, but the thing that was encouraging by the fact that people felt the way they did about it was they were saying that they appreciate me pastoring them the way I do because when I don't pastor them the way I do it's noticeable in a way that actually has a negative effect on them Mm -hmm. and I didn't I didn't hear people say you were bad I didn't hear people say what was wrong with you Cedric I heard people say hey where was my pastor today where was the pastor that I that I've come to learn and 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 grow with and and learn to love and people have given me permission they not they might have not said it with those words but they've given me permission to be their pastor it's not something that happens automatically you don't just got you don't just get hired at a church and all of a sudden it's it's an automatic thing that oh yeah okay well this person's going to be my pastor now in some ways you have to earn that right you have to earn the respect of the people through your love and your care and your shepherding and your preaching and your teaching so it's interesting i don't i don't think that I would have been able to recover from that if I was younger or when I first started because I don't know if I'd have been able to detach myself away from from that. But at the same time, in full transparency, even though after you know continuing to grow in this craft specifically, if you want to call it that, um, but being the being the shepherd for people, it's still difficult when I hear <clears throat> when I hear people say to me. Man, that was a really good sermon. Good sermon. And what's difficult is I, I'm not always a hundred percent sure what they mean. And and please, please, I am not saying don't be an encouragement to me. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. Because the the words of encouragement that I get almost week in and week out really is the fuel for me to come back the next week and do it again. When people say, you know what, thank you for preaching the way you do. Thank you for not pulling any punches. Thank you for saying that point. I'm, I'm very transparent when I'm on a stage. You know this. I'll say, you know what? I wasn't going to say this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say it anyway. And then I'll have someone say, I'm glad you said it. I'm, don't don't stop doing that. So that's an encouragement to me when people say, when they come up to me afterward and say, you know, thank you for saying that. Or that was a good sermon or a good lesson or good word. But, but there are still times when I'm not 100% sure what that means. Is it good because I preached it the way it should have been preached? Is it good because you liked it and it was enjoyable? Is it good because I thought of four really funny things and said it and made you laugh? And I know the answer is yes. I know the answer is yes to all those sometimes. And but but it's just hard. I think for pastors, when we hear good sermon, we our our mind is going a hundred miles an hour because on one end we're like thank you for the encouragement because I I know this person when they say this to me I know what that means. But at the same time, you find yourself second guessing yourself. Like, wait a second, what 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 do you mean when you say yeah. good sermon? So it's just difficult sometimes. Just separating the flesh from the actual sermon and actual you know word that you're given. It's got to be tough. I think of you know randomly where we went to school, Liberty University. When we were there um, after Dr. Falwell Senior died. They did this thing at Sunday nights at Thomas Road where they literally brought the best preachers in the world yeah. on a, almost a weekly basis. And we would go and that pastor would bring his A number one sermon, his shake the mountains down sermon. And for 40 minutes to an hour, we got to hear 
just some of the best orders in the world bring their A game. And it was unbelievable to see. But I always, I sometimes wonder for you and for Josh, for our friends that speak and our pastors, like, was that maybe a little bit of an unrealistic picture of what being a pastor is? Because you can't preach that way every Sunday. That, that can't, you can't, you don't have that every week. You don't, because sometimes the content doesn't even service for that type of sermon. And, you know, understanding that, you know, being a shepherd a lot of times for you is step-by-step instructional, getting better day-by-day. A lot of it is incremental gains, incremental teaching, and knowing that sometimes our church needs the big one. Sometimes our church doesn't need the big one. It needs to learn for a lot. You know, being able to separate the flesh because, you know, I know for me it took a while. I used to read the room by the amount of questions I got. So if I go speak and at the end of my speech, I got 10 questions and I couldn't leave. And they're like, Hey Matt, you got to go talk to Matt in the hallway. Um, if you have any more questions, I go, man, I crushed it. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's got questions. Da, da, da. And sometimes I'd speak and nobody, I get up and go, any questions? And you go look around for 40 seconds. Somebody raises their hand. You go, okay, see you guys. And I would judge my speech on that actual 20 seconds, the end of it. And uh, it took me a while to mature to the point where I was secure in, in the in the information that I was given. I was secure in the way that I was delivering it. And I didn't bring myself to the conclusion and have a value in that on how I spoke. Similar to like, I would say for you, did have you ever had a sermon where you're like, I'm going to, I got the sauce for this one. This is, this is, everybody's coming up front. We're all about to have a, you know, we're going to have, you know, this great Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be a revival. Revival, immediate, because <laughs> I got the word and I know what I'm going to say. And then you, you kind of do your sermon and you clap your hands and at the end you go, why isn't anybody getting up? Yeah. Why isn't yeah. everybody part No, Ben, Ben, sit back down, Ben. We're going to yeah. give him some time. Yeah. Holy Spirit's on his way. <laughs> Maze a red light in town. He's going to get here. Play Everybody's another gonna... song so yeah. we can get them emotionally charged up. I know, I know I'm going to get somebody say, you know, and that, that, that feeling, I always like empathize with, you know, uh, pastors, speakers, teachers in that way because, you know, the Holy Spirit moves as he moves and, that's a teaching lesson probably for you to be Yeah, like. I think the other thing too is like, you know, we know, I think pastors who are serious about about sharing the truth of scripture, they know, we know that it's not a performance, right? We know that. Like, we, we work hard to make it not about us. But at the same time, each pastor is gifted with their own personality, their own... Uh, their own experiences, the you know where they're from, the the different things that the Lord has done in their life. So you can't remove yourself from it. And I think that's always the tension. The tension is how much of this is me that doesn't point to Christ, and how much of this is me that does point to Christ. And that's what makes it that's what makes it so hard. Like we we know that it's not a performance, but on the flip side of it, I disagree with pastors who say. I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to remove all personality. I'm only going to preach the word of God. I mean, I'm, I'm doing that voice because I feel like that's what that's how they preach. <laughs> like I'm I'm only going to I'm only going to preach the word of God because I don't want it to be about me. And I know what they're saying, but I, I disagree with that too because God made you a certain way. I can think of pastors that I'm close with and people that pastors that I've, that I've watched preach but never met before, and part of them being able to share share scripture the way they do is because they they are a part of it, who they are. So it's a very delicate balance. It's it's a hard balance to strike because there are times when I have sat in this office and wrote a sermon that I was so excited about, so fired up about, knew that I could preach and just be as as Cedric as possible. And I never preached him because when I get to the end, I'm like, this is so much more about me than it is about God. I can't preach this because it's just going to be you know, it's what's the difference between that and going to a comedy show? So, so I couldn't preach it. But then there are times where I was like, you know what, man, I really don't, I'm not feeling this lesson. I'm not feeling this, but this is what I got. This is what God's giving me. I'm going to preach it. And then it ends up being, you know, just to use that term, like it ends up being fire and people do get saved and people do come forward. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess the Lord used that one. How hard is it to discern, you know, when I, when I speak, it's, 
from my time in our my industry and a topic maybe that was laid ahead of me and I'm filling in it's really my educated opinion and the, the research I can do how do you discern I, I don't have I, I don't say I don't have it but let's say personally I don't have the will of God or the weight of a congregation to, to weigh when I'm talking about the future of you know GSEs in the mortgage industry. Like, I don't have to really worry about that. How do you, when you speak, how do you weigh, like, ooh, that's what I'm going through right now? Like, you know, thinking like me, selfishly, like, ooh, man, I'm, man, football season's rough this year. I need to have, like, you know, this really is hitting me between the chest about maybe I'm spending too much time watching football and not being with my kids. And that's hitting me whether, do you struggle with, like, Wanting to put that in your sermons, but maybe thinking the congregation is at a place maybe two steps to the left of that. How do you bring yourself to the sermon, but not preach to yourself? Um, it is difficult, and this this isn't good, because I think the most difficult thing is you allow the lie of maybe I might lose my job creep into your mind because because if you I mean you want to be you want to be transparent because I'm a follower of Christ. I'm not just a pastor, right? I'm a follower of Christ, which means the same thing that I'm preaching, the same thing that I'm reading, the same thing that you're reading, it applies to me as it does to you and everybody else. So there's that part of it. But I also have a job, you know, like not necessarily, I don't mean that from the perspective of I do this and I get paid. I mean, I have a, a job given to me by God himself, a responsibility to the kingdom of to the kingdom of Christ, like to the church of Christ. So, so there's that part of it. So it's really hard but I think the way that I discern it is putting it through the filter of a scripture. You know, it's just, I, I, I look at, I, okay, you know what? I'm reading this. I put myself through it. I get, I could resonate. I could identify with what I'm about to teach because I'm going through this thing where I just went through it. And I, I pray and I ask God to give me wisdom and give me the words to say and then I put it in a sermon and say, hey, you know what? I can teach and preach this this way because I literally just went through this or I am going through this or I can, I'm, I'm trying to, to not get you to believe, but it, you, you can trust me. I think, I think this is really good that we're talking about this because I just got done teaching out of First Timothy and Paul says it a number of times. He says, you know what? You can trust that this saying is true. You can have great assurance in this. You can trust that what I'm saying is right. And I think the reason why he kept saying that is because he knew it. He went through it himself. He said, you know what? Who Who's worse than me? Like, I've gone through this. So you use discernment, but I think the discernment helps you to know to to minimize the fear. You're not afraid of what the repercussion, you know, I'm using quotes, what's what's the repercussion gonna be? Because Pastor Sedic was was transparent about the fact that, you know, he lost his temper this week and and sinned in you know in anger. Or, you know, Pastor Sedic is is being open and transparent about the fact that, you know, he he thought about he thought about someone in a way that he shouldn't have, or he gossiped or or whatever the case may be. Like I think that it, it when the discernment when you put it through look you know what i can help people get back to god because i got back to god and obviously i don't do that perfectly nobody does um that's what makes it a little bit easier but but it is hard that's not that's not easy to do it's you're always afraid because you don't know how people are going to take it yeah i know for me and and i want to even as a little sidebar here talk to the people hopefully that are listening that are you know in my shoes the 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 churchgoer, the whatever you want to call us, the lay lay person, the volunteer, and just somebody, you know, you go to church every Sunday and you, you're listening to your pastor speak. You know, I hope this can be, this conversation can be a little bit illuminating, but I want to push and challenge um, us in our role. Um, let me tell you somebody that speaks on a pretty frequent, you know, clip. It's hard. It. I like talking. We we've been rambling on for a while. It, it isn't that we just like to talk. It isn't that that people that have uh, public speaking in their role uh, just like to hear themselves so speak. It's a lot of times it's a calling or just it's it's something you grow into. But 
especially with the specifics of your church and as your pastor, man, I really want to push. I really, really, really want to, you know, push us to have that charity in those times when your pastor, he doesn't have his A game. I'm telling you, he may not have his A game or she teaching may not have her A game, whatever that is that Sunday, but the content is there and, you know, be praying for our speakers, be praying for our pastors in those roles because it is a tough thing to every week have that fresh fire. Every week have something that, you know, you feel like you can stand, you know, on the tips of your toes and reach the back of the room with something that's unique and that is, as you know, uh, can can push your church and your bo- church body forward. You know, that can't happen every Sunday. It just can't as much as we try. And so, you know, be cognizant of that. My man said, your pastor at your local church, we're, they're humans. And give them the benefit of the doubt, but also help them, you know, see, not just be the guy like, hey, man, I didn't like your sermon this week. You know, that's not constructive. Talk to him. And, you know, when you see something like that happen, a teaching, it could be as simple as him trying something different. <laughs> or it could be like, you know what, man? Man, my brother's getting a divorce, and I just had an off week. You know, I've been on the phone with him, and it's been a rough time. And that could be a place for you as a layperson to to find a place to pray for your pastor because they're going through something, if that is the case. And so have that attentiveness, not just the words they're saying, but who they are as a person. And there's opportunities for you to to, to really pull for that guy. I think people forget, too, like you, to your point about being human. They forget that just like you and listeners, sometimes you roll over on a Sunday morning. Your alarm's going off or, you you know, your internal clock went off, so you roll over and you're like, you know what? I really don't feel like going to church today, <laughs> like, you know, like, and like, that's not, we're not immune to that. Like there, there are, there's at least one and a half ish Sundays a month where I peel myself out of bed because I just don't feel like going. It has nothing to do with the task. It has nothing to do with preaching. It has nothing to do with the people. I'm excited about those things, but maybe I just didn't get enough sleep the night before. Or maybe I didn't, I just didn't sleep well or Maybe I'm like, man, it'd be great if I had another hour or I just don't feel like moving right now or it's Northeast Ohio and it's cold and I don't want to go outside. Like there's the same, we have the same feelings. We have the same, we have those feelings. And sometimes those feelings, if we're, if we don't do a good job from time to time managing them, sometimes they bleed into, into our speaking. And like you said, there's, there's, I mean, I don't want to overstate this, but there is a hundred other things going on in the week of a pastor. I mean, just this week alone, we sat in our staff meeting and we have to divide and conquer and go over different parts of the state. One place is is two hours away because we have people that have that are having surgery today and tomorrow and yesterday. And we, we, we literally sat in the office of seven, eight of us around the table and we're like, who's going to go where? We have a pastor that's going up to Akron. Someone's going to Cleveland. Someone's going to uh, Delaware. I mean, it's, you know, because that's just the nature of what we do. And then, you know, I'm getting text messages from other from other people that aren't doing well, you know. And so, so there's all of these things that's going on. And I have to carve out time. And it's time that we we value and that we do carve out and we look forward to and carve out time to prepare a, a sermon and a, a lot of, I don't know how all the pastors work, but most times the thing that I'm preaching on this Sunday, I'm not just working on that for the first time this week. I've already worked on it two, three weeks prior. So it, it's, it's a continual process. And I'm thankful for that because sometimes you don't get to it until later in the week, just because of all the things that's going on. And those things have an effect on you. Uh, it's hard to, to preach with a lot of fire when in the back of your mind, you're looking out into the crowd and, you know, people are hurting because family members are sick and dying or because marriages are hurting or because parenting's hard. Like, it's not those things have a greater effect on your pastor than I think than people sure. realize sometimes. Yeah. I think, you know, and the temptation for us as pastors is just to put our heads down in our in our Bibles and just preach it. Like, you know what? I'm going to remove all the feelings. I'm not going to look in anybody's face. I'm not going to care about what's going on. I'm just going to preach and do the best I can and go home. But we can't do that. We, we can't detach ourselves from the flock like that that would that would be a you'd be a terrible shepherd if you did that so all of those things come into play when we when we stand on on the stage to preach a sermon and that's why sometimes when you say you know what i'm going to do something different 
because this something different is going to exercise a different part of my brain. Mm-hmm. This something different is not going to allow me to hit autopilot if I'm tempted to do that. This something different is also going to be different enough to where the, the hearer is like, wait a second, something's different going on. And that's what my motivation was. That's why I sat and that's why I was so excited, why I was so proud of it. And that's why I'm st- I smile and laugh every time I think about it. Because, and I'm not saying this in a bad, malicious way, but people really didn't like that sermon. No, no. <laughs> so it's you know, so funny. It's funny that, like, it's just so going back to literally the the absolute confusion and worry from week one to week two being like, like, you got, like, the this, like, like power potion over the week and all of a sudden Cedric's back to being the pastor he was. It just was so funny and... And looking back on it, it's just, you know, it's it's so, what we talk about here today, and, and you know, we laugh about a lot of stuff, and um, sermons, and speaking, and, you know, there's just a lot that goes into a sermon, a lot that goes into a sermon series, and, and one of the main purposes why I was so excited to help with Cedric on this podcast is, you know, to have these kind of questions answered, to bring in Pastor Zach, to bring in other pastors from areas or other speakers and, and understand their process, understand their mode, because for me, and I know it's not just me, understanding the human behind the the job, understanding the person behind the pulpit to be corny, goes a long way in understanding not only their viewpoint, where they're coming from, but, you know, understanding their heart in their ministry. And I think a lot of times we miss that, uh, as, as lay people. And I think sometimes that's our fault. Sometimes it, it would be great. You know, I'm always on said about communicating from the pulpit, communicating something new, communicating a new idea, communicating, you know, what our landscape is changing in our church and we're heading in this direction because, you know, I want to get on board. My mentality is I want to get on board. I want to know why that was such a bad sermon or why you even thought that you needed to do that because, it's interesting to me, and I think that we can grow closer as a body to our overseers and our pastors and our and our disciplers. We can be in a, a more close kinship with them when we understand, like, you know what, I had to, sometimes I got to kick the rust off. Like, every once in a while, I'm going to come at you real hard. You know, every time, every once in a while, I'm going to be real laid back. I'm going to be real mellow because that's what this text means, and, and you have to be able to, you know, kind of lean and rock with me on both of those types of things. You can't just want me being loud, Cedric. You got to know that I'm, you know, sometimes I'm a teacher that is, is more reflective and, and quiet. So, yeah. So I think, um, I think we, you know, we, we accomplished what we wanted to with the episode today uh, is just kind of give that behind the scenes. I mean, you, you mentioned something really, really interesting. You said, understand the human behind the job and, I actually, I'm actually, I'd like to know, I'd like to know what are some of the jobs that you have, you know, maybe, maybe two, two or three points, like, you know, that you can leave in the comment section, like, Hey, this is what I do for a living. And people don't know that that means sometimes I have to do, you know, A, B, that would be really cool. I'd love to know what that is. So, um, if you would do that for us, that'd be great. Uh, We can mention some of them on the, on the podcast. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a great point and it'd be cool. Remember that show? I mean, I think we were in college when it was like really popular. It was called Dirty Jobs. Yeah, and it was it was so popular because it was like, man, I wonder what a guy that uh, you know, it, it works at a you know, uh, a sulfur mining thing, whatever. I don't even know exactly. I don't know, whatever. I'm in finance, but uh, <laughs> somebody that actually uses their hands and is physical, unlike us. I wonder what their job is like. And you find out like, yeah, we do this, but then you find out there's something real weird. Like, oh man, I gotta wash my hands like 27 times a day because if it sticks on my hands, my fingers fall off. Yeah, like. But honestly, what that whole point of that show was like humanizing sometimes the dirty jobs, meaning the, you know, the physically demanding or just the smelly, stinky jobs, you know, it's not a, it's not a stretch to say being a pastor, being a leader and a shepherd, it's a dirty job. And I think this is kind of our ode to maybe that show uh, to, to say, hey, you know, let's peel it back. It's just not, you know, preaching and free lunch and you know, really nice suits. A lot of it is great. There's some great things you don't know about. There's also some really trying stuff that we don't know about. And, you know, having that perspective to me, 
I've always found that be valuable to my relationship with my pastor to be like, you know what? You do know that they have this going on in their life. And I, when I have that, you know, knowledge of that, it's, it's just so helpful for me and my spirit to have the charity, to have the understanding and not let Satan do what he does. Is like, man, why is your pastor? I'll tell you what, I bet your pastors talk like that this week because he slept all week and then he watched football all day yesterday. He wrote that sermon the, last night at and 10. And the Canes lost, <laughs> Miami lost, so he was mad. So he went on Google and just printed off some papers and yeah. just, you know, and because and, I'll tell you what, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you've had people kind of intimate, like, I bet, well, did you, did you print that online or something like that? Oh, yeah. Sometime before. People think those things, and that's just Satan getting in there and, and really, you know, just just taking advantage of our, you know, our fallen nature, especially when we talk to our pastor, like, oh, hey, you know, it's not that hard to be a pastor. You know, he probably just does this and, you know, whatever, you know, and this, this is, these kind of conversations I hope are illuminating to know, like, it is sometimes about trying new things. It is sometimes about, you know, working on a different muscle group or working out something different in his in his uh, speaking or just his his you know research yeah hey pastors are creatives too (laughs) so um so yeah i think let's let's i want to send that challenge out it'd be great to interact with listeners so put in a comment section send it to us what is the who's the human behind the job Uh, i think that'll be really good so thanks for uh just being with us today and to being a part of the show Uh, Like I said, if you have any questions, comments, or anything else, let us know. And until next time, this is the How Did I Get Here podcast.